1: Allthingscomedy.com slash The Dork Forest, probably. Uh, cause All Things Comedy is the comedy podcast network that I'm on, and they have a lot of great podcasts there besides The Dork Forest. And there's also a Bandcamp page with a bunch of premium episodes, the live episodes, and a storytelling album, thedorkforest.bandcamp.com. Just Google my name and various things will come up. Cause I'm Jackie Cation. Let's do the credits. Mike Rickberg composed and sang that song you heard at the intro with his girlfriend, Sarah Cohen, they will marry. Did you hear about that? Kind of awesome. Anyway, Mike Regberg sings lyrics he wrote to the Mexican hat dance at the end of the program. Patrick Brady's going to fix this audio, and Vilmos does the website. So those are the credits. You can not donate to the Dork Forest, because it's November. You should donate to your local food bank, ladies and germs. That's right, rangers. Google the name of your town and the words food bank. And you will find your local food bank, and you should give them at least the 10 bucks that you were going to give me, uh, the Dork Forest, for listening to the show. And we do that every November and December. So exciting. Everybody gets a sandwich. If you still want to support the show, you can, because you can get T-shirts and CDs and DVDs at JackieCation.com on the merch page, the store page. My new CD and DVD are available both on iTunes and Amazon and all that. But you can get hard copies at JackieCation.com. The newest one is called This Will Make an Excellent Horcrux. It was the top five comedy specials of 2015 on Vulture.com. And I can sign it if you want. I can send you T-shirts or hoodies. I have in stock uh, hooded zip hoodies, Dork Forest zip hoodies, up to XL. I don't have any double XL right now. But I do have small, medium, large, and XL. So if you want one, you can order them and I have them in stock, and I will send them out. So other than that, stand-up comedy. I'm doing it. I do stand-up comedy. This week, I'm going to be in Knoxville, Tennessee. I'm doing a bunch of shows in L.A., and then I'm going to Knoxville, Tennessee for the Scruffy Comedy Festival. Only Saturday night in Knoxville, Tennessee, and that will be very exciting. And then the week after that, I'm opening for Brian Regan um, in Charleston, South Carolina, Chattanooga, Tennessee, Charlotte, North Carolina, and Birmingham, Alabama. So it's kind of a southern run month. Anyway, uh last but not least, the Amazon banner. We're getting into the holiday season. And every day everyone buys something from Amazon at JackieCation.com. There's a white banner on the right side of JackieCation.com that says support the show. Shop Amazon. And if you click on that, you go to Amazon. You do your shopping. doesn't cost you extra, but I get a kickback. So it's a way to support the show. But don't forget to donate to your local's. The local food bank this month, and it's a great episode. So thanks for tuning in, you guys. Let's get into it. Hey, it's Jackie Cation. Uh, I'm back in my living room this time with really, you're kind of a dork luminary. Uh, still a hugely popular episode, Ryan Stout. Ryan Stout. Oh, welcome that's back. right,
0: traffic court. Thank you so much. That traffic
1: court episode. People are like, it was informative. It was minutia filled. It has all <laughs> the things I am looking for in an episode. you freaked out. Well, my
0: thing with that was uh, talking about one topic for an hour. Oh, Which, yeah. This is really one of the only places where that can be done. This is this every, really? Everybody else – usually when comics get together, they just yap about whatever comes up. Right. And then every podcast is the same. Right. So I'll come on right. your podcast and we'll just talk and then you come on mine and we'll just talk. <laughs> right. And that'll be two different things. And I was like, no, that's not two different things. Those are
1: exactly the same things. Yeah, thing. that's Those... just a
0: one long conversation with a break in it.
1: Right, cause it's gonna be, and it almost might even be the same five topics because we right. tend to just talk in circles about the same fucking things.
0: Yeah, and I wanted to bring that up for this episode specifically. Right, that's because, what we're doing. Because, um, you want when, to talk about when it Glenn. comes to comedians talking about comedy, the home audience always gets very bored. And right, that's because they feel like it's been covered. Well, because we as a community, too, leave them behind because we have our own vocabulary. Oh, right, right. Where if I say to you, yeah, when levity took over the improvs, <laughs> you know what that sentence is starting to be. Right. Whereas they're at home, they're like, levity? What do you mean levity, the improv? What are you talking about? Yes. Um, my dear friend Brett, who I've known since I was in high school, Okay. Um, he will be with me at a comedy club. Yes. And I will start talking to a comic, and he will politely sip on his beer for a while, and then Brett is kind enough to go all right guys i'm i'm wa- waving the white flag civilian civilian yeah. i can't oh. i can't do this anymore
1: Fair enough, but I will tell you this is that I've had more than one gathering, social gathering, here at this place. Mm-hmm. I don't know why you haven't been invited. I'm an ass. Uh, <laughs> Look, <laughs> it's a long be, way out. I wouldn't come. You would see it there I'm we go. Very, That's exactly what I do. You don't to feel know. bad at all. And, and so, now I don't have to feel bad. <laughs> you don't yeah, you shouldn't feel bad. I do feel bad only because uh, there are people that I wouldn't invite to my house, and you are not one of them. Mm-hmm. So, but Andy invites mostly gamers and I invite mostly comics, mm-hmm. and genuinely they split up into two groups. Of course. And when it's mostly comics, Andy will sit around and he'll he'll try to do it for a little while, and then he's like, "No, nope, no, I'm good." And then he'll weed off and um and go find someone to talk about games with, and because that's all he really wants to talk about right. is games, and all we really want to talk about, sadly, is comedy. Sure, and we both have other topics we can uh-huh. talk politics, we could talk uh, vegetables, but you talk about
0: what you're interested in, right? And when you're with people who are also interested, you fall into this like. This very specific language. I was doing um, – I see a therapist and he sometimes does these night sessions where anybody can just show up and we oh, talk wow. as a group about whatever's happening in the world. That's a good idea. It's a cool thing. He yeah. doesn't do it often but he'll do it and he'll say, all right, September we're going to do it four nights and then it's over until the next time. Okay. But – What's interesting huh. is you form a community with these people and these phrases come up that start to mean something to the group. Like oh. if, I, if I'm if i talking and I'm like, you know, we all learn to ride the bike and that means something to them. Okay. That means something to my little community. Yeah. But if I go back a year later and he's like, all right, we're going to do night sessions again, it's a whole new group of people. And oh. I have to realize like, oh, they don't know what ride the bike means. This is a right. new community.
1: It's a reference, and that- it's
0: it's this amazing thing that happens in every group. Yes. And what I love about it is we can sniff out comedians who aren't really comedians. Instantly. Right. By or their nudes. vocabulary. Yeah.
1: If they're new, they're not going to know. And right. by the way, if you are a new comic, that's not your fault.
0: It's and, not your it, fault.
1: And, and your family and friends actually appreciate that mm-hmm. you're not speaking in weirdo code that, uh, and that you can explain things, uh, like a person. So. And
0: once you're part of the community, you're always part of it.
1: Right. Well, that's true you too. You know, because
0: you learn the language and then that doesn't change.
1: Right. Before we get into it, because this is a classic, is, uh, let me just tell people, Ryan Stout, by the way, R-Y-A-N, Stout, S-T-O-U-T, dot com. And it has all links to all of it. Uh, on Twitter is the only one that's backwards. It's at Stout Ryan. Yeah. And then, but you have your YouTube page, and which uh, has forward
0: slash Ryan Stout.
1: Right, which is all of it. And then there's links to all of it: Facebook, Twitter, you'll Tumblr, find me. all of it. There it is. Put my name in Google. Put your name in Google, and you'll find everything with the word comedy. Without uh-huh. it, and, and there's stuff find to it. see. And would you like a LinkedIn invite? Uh, I
0: don't need anymore. Okay, I don't good. need anymore, yeah, and too. I'm just ignoring them. Yeah, me too. Um, I'm okay. not in that business. Uh, right.
1: You're the, the the business of of. I did see that you have a link to your MySpace page.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know why I, my MySpace I left it page up there.
1: Is great. By the way, it's the greatest place to hide uh-huh. copyrighted sets. Oh. Because NBC doesn't know my place in the forest, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> <laughs> it is in MySpace, and that's where my uh, fi- my Friday night. uh uh, Friday night videos that's, that's where those live
0: incredible it's
1: a great place and now I've told people about my well hey hipsters don't ruin it man
0: yeah don't anyway. flag my video mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. so
0: speaking of Google yeah and speaking of this podcast yes. something was said on your podcast specifically you were talking about somebody saying "Um, well you know everybody collects shot glasses oh and you went nope no. Aaron Jackson. That's not, that's not true at all.
1: <laughs> right. So everyone thinks their dorkdom is something that isn't dorky because yeah. they hang out with people who do that.
0: Well, especially people we like who have some sense of humility. Right. They just go, no, I just do this thing. It's not special. Yeah,
1: it isn't. I just had Will Wheaton on who uh-huh. was just like, I was like, you realize you're like dork nobility. And he uh-huh. goes, no, no, I was on a thing. And then I, and then I just I was like, <laughs> Stop talking. Uh, you know, I don't think you get. And you. and he he wasn't doing. He wasn't wasn't false modesty. It right. wasn't anything like right. that. It was literally. I don't think you understand. I don't have a castle at a at a at a helicopter. You no, focus I don't know. in and you so. just
0: do whatever you're thinking you should do. Right. And then from the outside, people go, "You're a dork." And right. And it takes a minute to go. Wait, what?
1: Uh, you're a dork about that. Yeah. No,
0: I, so I I for no reason at all decided. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to go to Google. I'm going to type in the word joke. Okay. And then I'm going to click news. And then I'm going to click past 24 hours. Okay. And I'm going to. You're going to tighten it up. I'm going to look at the results. And I'm going to do this every day to see what people are arguing about when it comes to jokes. This is why you are
1: invited on the program, Ryan (laughs) Stout. This is awesome. Go. What happened? Uh, So,
0: um, (laughs) first of all, I was kind of shocked. I was like, you know, this probably isn't going to be a lot of information. It's not going to be a lot of things every day. Right. Wrong. Wrong. People are arguing about jokes constantly. Wait,
1: in the news?
0: In the news and all over the world. Like somebody will say something on Good Morning America that's questionable. And right. it's, you know, obviously a joke. Right. But it also has that hint of like controversy to it. And within Boy, it hours, good <laughs> 500 articles will be written. 500. Oh, 500. Like Google results, it's like 500 more results. And you go, what, what, wait, what? How many? Right. Why are so many people writing about this? Yeah. And it's happening every day. And I was concerned about how comedians were being treated because when I think about humor and comedy and the way people think of it, I always use the example, you walk into like a bookstore, like a Barnes and Noble, right. go to the humor section and what you'll find is a book of, uh, of cats, pictures of cats, and they're in stretched out positions, and that's sure. called cat yoga. Yeah. And then uh you'll see a, a book of one-liner things that kids have said, boneheaded sure. things that you know, they're small humans, they don't know better. Right. And that book is called Boners. And then you'll find a comedian's autobiography between cat yoga and boners. And I'm Jim like, Zim Gaffigan,
1: that- forty five years in stand-up comedy, yeah. and what it means to him. Yeah. Oh my god.
0: And it's right there next to boners.
1: Right next to boners. Because
0: humor's all the same, everybody. Yeah. It's all the same As thing. As
1: opposed to music. Like if you go into the, they, they, even, and at the book, at Barnes and Noble, if there is still such a thing, <laughs> uh, they, they cut the music department into rock, jazz, They will cut it into that. I Mm -hmm. mean, they don't do wiggly, shouty, alphabetical, guys. It's just alphabetical. It's just
0: alphabetical. You are right. Um, But when it comes to comedy, and comedy clubs do it too because they're like, well, this guy's funny and he has puppets. And I'm like, well, that's a ventriloquist. Yeah. There's already a name for that.
1: Yeah, there isn't a specific. You know, Bamford used to do that joke about how you have to Google. The comedy. Yeah. Like, because you're going to, you're like, oh, it's comedy. Cause she said people will constantly co- show up and she's like, I might be your war horse. Mm-hmm. I don't, cause I thought Steven Spielberg, oh, it's going to be like ET, mm-hmm. but no, no, I showed up to Warhorse, which, and what did she say? She said, uh, Bamford goes, uh, um. Which, as far as I could tell, it was a documentary about killing horses. Oh. And uh, she, was, uh-huh. she was like, so you show up at a comedy club, and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, it's going to be comedy. Yeah. Oh, is it going to just be like, a, like a, uh, I don't know, a, sarcastic one-liners? Right. From- I always
0: say, you don't know if I'm going to do one political rant or if I'm going to pull out puppets. You have no idea what I'm right. going to do, but you all hope to like it. Yes. And you might not. And you've already paid. (laughs) So you think you're winning. I'm winning. I'm winning. Yes. So um, people's attitudes about comedy are pretty much that. They're filled with ego and expectation. And so I decided, well, clearly there are a lot of these issues in the news happening. Why? Why so much? And you were finding that... You know, it was everyday new articles, and it was articles about, you know, so-and-so on the campaign trail made this joke. Okay. And then he has to apologize for the joke. And then people don't think that apology is good enough. <laughs> and so it just right. devolves into this long thing from one joke. Right. And, uh, what's his name? The scientist who, uh, made the Neal. the joke about, uh, women in the lab. Oh. Remember that? No, no. So, uh, I forgot. A scientist exactly. made some crack this- about, He was giving a speech and he was like, you know, there's three things I've learned about women in the laboratory. Either you fall in love with them or they fall in love with you or when you yell at them, they cry. (laughs) And then he said – but on a serious note, like it was clearly like, I know, I know the words, the words that came out of my mouth weren't honest. Right. I know that I wasn't being genuine was when I said twist. those. And now I'm telling you, the audience, that I wasn't being genuine. Just to
1: alert you. Yeah. That that was a, that was comedy. So going on anyone there.
0: listening gets my position. Right. Women are great in the lab.
1: Right. It's, you know. I fall in love with women in the lab. Sure. Or women fall in love with me in the lab. And then here's this joke, which is the weird twist, which is sometimes women cry. Which
0: I think all three are jokes.
1: Oh, do you think all three were jokes? Yeah, I think all three were like,
0: hey, he doesn't, he's a scientist, so he doesn't believe that across the board this Mm -hmm. always happens. Right. You know, um, but, you know, he's, he's a Nobel laureate. And, uh, no, outrage, outrage from feminists all over the internet. Outrage. He had to, uh, he had to resign from his job. Now, if you're a Wendy's manager and you make some sort of joke like that, Mm -hmm. and the internet gets outraged and Wendy's decides to fire you, that's fine. There are other Wendy's managers they can grab. You're a Nobel laureate scientist. (laughs) Those aren't just lying around. (laughs) But you have to leave your job because of outrage over
1: your joke? um, Well, but the thing is, is if you're going to even the playing field, then that guy should – neither one of those guys should lose their their jobs, right? Because – Because, I mean, to value the scientist more than the Wendy's manager is, of course, it feels, but I... Yeah, if you value one over the
0: other, then you value them because of their job, not because of what the actual joke was.
1: Okay, so you're not actually listening to the joke. So you're, you're talking, I mean, I was actually, I had, uh, probably a very unpopular opinion Uh yesterday when I found out that Zimbabwe is not going to press charges against the, the dentist who killed the lion. Okay. Because the dentist who killed the lion Legally killed the lion. The mm-hmm. Zimbabwe government was like, no, no, all of his paperwork was in order, and uh we allow people to kill lions.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, well, he has lost his practice in Minnesota, uh-huh. and he will now be hounded uh, for being uh, a, a lion guy killer. who likes to kill lions, mm-hmm. making him not a great guy, but uh, a legal guy, a guy who <laughs> gets to completely – without. Any problem, right. go kill
0: a lion. It's strange that we would treat him for legally killing a lion the same as we would treat him for illegally killing a lion. Right. And I don't know how that standard works. I mean, it's clearly a community standard. It's some sort of mindset amongst all of
1: us. Right, and you are, you are tried, convicted, and executed on the Based internet. On, on the word joke, sure. news, five hundred uh-huh. and then all of a sudden you can't get funding to find out what a quark is. Right. Or whatever.
0: Yeah. And yeah. you're one of the smartest people in the world. Right And you do your job well, so I, I thought a better way, since when comedians talk about jokes, we kind of go down a rabbit hole. Yeah, I thought a better example since I studied a lot of art in college, yeah I studied poetry, I took art classes, I listened to I took music classes. You're deeper than I I took thought. acting classes. Look at you. and it was all art, and everybody yeah. taught us the same thing at the beginning of every class, which was which was uh, we don't care how you feel about any of this stuff. Uh-huh. we're going to talk about why it's good. Oh. And you can tell me why you hate the poem, and I'm going to ask you to leave if you're not talking about t- the technical aspects of the poem that we can all agree on. If okay. you're being subjective, just telling us, well, it's a joke about – it's a poem about bicycles. My grandfather died on a bicycle, so I don't like it. Okay. We don't care.
1: So so what you like about the idea of discussing jokes mm-hmm. is discussing the technicality of it. Right. Do you not want to talk about whether punching up or punching down is, a, is an issue? Um. Well, or is that a tech? Or is that technical enough? Um. Yeah, you know, I think it's an
0: interesting idea of punching down because you know there's humor theory that mm-hmm. says every joke has a victim. Right. Well, if every joke has a victim, then somebody's always being punched down on.
1: Except for that, always. Every- no, no. Because if every joke has a victim, but you are making fun of the Koch brothers, uh huh. The Koch brothers. Are not going to boohoo into their coffee because I said that they make uh, poor people into an elixir. Sure. Right? That sure. is, uh, that is an example of a Koch brothers joke that right. I do. Right. There you go. Uh, but the, uh, <laughs> they, uh, whether or not it's true or not. Sure. But that's, but that's an example of p- punching up because right. they have both the stature and the money to have it not really affect them. But to, if I were to say, Hey, homeless people are super stinky and I wish I had a real punchline at the end of it because that—that uh-huh. that is of course the real thing about all of the jokes. Right. If it is if you do a joke and you punch down, you make fun of a homeless person. Sure. Oh wait. I've heard I've actually heard a very good uh was it Solomon Giorgio? Was it mine? Was it Byron Bowers? Was it Brian? Homeless
0: people on fire.
1: Was it they're you? full of alcohol? Is that one? <laughs> <laughs> there. See, that's very funny. Uh, that <laughs> now, I don't know that that is – is that a joke? Is that that what, is, that's yeah, are yeah. yeah. That, okay. That, that was, so that is a perfect example of right. a horribly funny, like, punching right. down kind of situation that is funny.
0: But I don't know necessarily that it's making fun of uh, hurting homeless as much as the fact that alcohol is flammable. You know what I mean? Like, right. If I were I mean the comedy came. If I were just setting homeless people on fire and didn't include the alcohol portion, people would go, That's not good. We right. shouldn't be doing that at right. all.
1: Not in the joke, not yeah. in the life. There's no there's no the-
0: funny there when I set a homeless person on fire, but all of a sudden when you understand the reason they're flammable, well now we're laughing at the reason. Not right. And you are not actually victim.
1: setting them on fire. You're saying that homeless people <laughs> can be flammable because of the amount of alcohol involved. Right, right. Right. And uh so, okay, so uh, when I, it comes okay to, when it comes that.
0: to victims, it's weird how the internet then the internet does this a lot. They will find the victim in the joke and focus on it exclusively, right, but my point of like uh you can find that in every joke. Why was six afraid of seven because seven, eight, nine, and what does the internet do really, cannibalism. That's what we're joking about here tonight. Don't you understand how afraid six is? Don't you have any empathy for that? Nine was eaten. You're just going to re-victimize nine and the families of nines everywhere. The little <laughs> joke. Screw you. And they can talk about cannibalism all day long. They can write a long think piece about cannibalism, but that's never going to change the fact that the reason people laugh is because eight sounds like eight. <laughs>
1: And right. there's there's a huge difference there, right? So the internet, I will I will say this, and I completely agree, is that the internet flattens all jokes. Yeah, it takes all perspective, and it it just essentially takes a three dimensional object and turns it into. Oh a, my god,
0: I'm so glad you said that because yeah. I had this idea that I uh, the other day about uh, how egotistical people are in our culture about jokes,
1: hmm. and that
0: is. If somebody if somebody doesn't get a joke if right. they don't find it funny right. and you do well that person is stupid that person is humorless that person sucks okay and then they because they didn't find the joke funny and you did they think you're stupid right that if only you knew more that you, you would have a better sense of humor <laughs> that you wouldn't suck if you had the knowledge that like it gets very contentious that yes. I laugh and you didn't so you're wrong
1: it is a very I mean it is so subjective yeah. And so, so passionate. Talking
0: about flattening. Yeah. Um, again, my dear friend, Brett, we yes. were talking about those magic eye paintings. Yeah. That if you look at it and you look at it a certain way, you kind of blur your vision. This thing pops out. Right. Sometimes it's you It's not see flat anymore. Right. It pops. Yeah. Now, that's your sense of vision. Right. Now, Brett has never been able to see those. Oh, okay. Now, I don't think Brett is stupid. No. Or dumb Mm-mm. or worthless because the magic eye painting doesn't work for him. <laughs> right. I just go, oh, his vision doesn't work that way. Right. Now, with sense of humor, which yes. is a sense. Yep. You have this kind of idea in your mind that if you kind of blur your mind a little bit, this idea pops. And yep. that's the joke. Right. And for you as an individual, when you hear the joke and the idea pops and becomes 3D in your head. Yeah. You laugh. Yeah. And for some people, it doesn't pop. And what we should say is, oh, that person just didn't like the joke. Right. It's totally okay. And it's totally okay that I did like the joke. Right. Because scientists, sociologists, psychologists, they've all studied humor for hundreds of years and they have no idea why person A will laugh at a joke and person B won't laugh at the same joke. They have no idea. Right. They have no idea why... Person A will laugh at a rape joke, and person B will not laugh at a rape joke. And they hear the
1: word rape, and they freak the
0: fuck out. Well, even more important, just so we're crystal clear, they have no idea why sexual assault survivor A will laugh at that rape joke, but sexual assault survivor B will not. They have no idea, but the internet wants to draw lines and say, well, this is okay, and this is not okay. Right. And we don't want to account for all the variation in there. Right. And usually it's progressive-minded people where – I want to be like, hey, let's celebrate diversity. Why don't we do that? <laughs> Why can't we celebrate diversity amongst our sense of humor, everybody? Right. Because we don't know how it works anyway.
1: But this that that speaks to a larger issue though, in the fact that I will say this is that uh one of my something that has been causing me a great deal of rage lately has been the fact that there are people who have a sense of high horse-ness. Right? Oh, yeah. And they are sometimes very right-wing, right wing, mm-hmm. right? And they are like, they, they have this moral high ground and they talk about the evils of gay marriage. They talk about the evils of premarital sex. They talk about the evils of, of, um, of black people, of Asians, of immigrants. Evil, of, very objective term. <laughs> right. But, and, and they talk about evil and they, and they, they subjectively take out of context scripture and these things, right? Oh, yeah. And then you find out. That they uh, are getting blowjobs at the airport. Uh Uh-huh. Or you find out that they're having an extramarital affair. Mm -hmm. Or you feel like they uh, hit their kids to the point of uh, teeth are lost. (laughs) Whatever it is, right? Yeah. And they never fucking apologize.
0: No, because they're justified. They always justify their own feelings.
1: They're like, oh... Uh, the Lord has forgiven me for this. But yeah. the thing is, is when you take a progressive person who is like, no, no, gay people should do whatever they want. Uh I like all people. And then inadvertently <laughs> say something horrible mm-hmm. like, oh, but uh bitches, man, what are you going to do? Uh, <laughs> right. Just out of the blue, mm-hmm. some like liberal, some white liberal dude will accidentally make a joke uh-huh. about that and then. The, the world will crucify him like they yes. tried to crucify the right wing guy, but because that guy has some empathy, mm-hmm. that guy has a sense of conscience, and he's like, ah, oh, you're right, I shouldn't have said that. They will literally bury him head first in the sand yeah. and paint his feet with honey yeah. and let red ants come Just towards attack. him. And he will let them. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I'm so full of rage. It makes you just—it's want- it's the people that apologize
0: that get it the worst. Yeah, yeah. Who and, have any sense of—and that has been a uh, consistent throughout my life. I, I had a, a high school history professor, history teacher, I guess in high school. Um, I guess high school teachers aren't professors. I guess that's the <laughs> well, terminology. Well, unless
1: you go to the fanciest of all, uh, and high I did not.
0: <laughs> but he would tell us like constantly throughout history. He had this one analogy. He was like. And the women in the town square were upset, and they were hungry, and the king said, let them eat bread, and the women threw the bread, and then there was an uprising, and they stormed the castle, and they killed the king. And he would say that for various points in history where there were uprisings like that. And he said, you know, anytime the women in the town square complain they're hungry, the best thing to do is ignore them, because if you say,
1: Ah, Allow I do care,
0: or, oh, I'll fix it. Even if you say, oh, I'll fix it, when you don't fix it, they get more enraged. Okay. If you say, oh, screw them, they get enraged. But if you just ignore it, right. eventually they feel helpless and they just disperse. And it okay. just goes away. Wow. And it's, sad. it's sad that we have the worst example of that, which is Bill Cosby. Oh, right. Who just, for years, was like, I'll say nothing. But, I mean, Joan Rivers was uh, pretty great at, she would get in trouble for a joke, and she's like, yeah, not. I'm not saying anything. Not right. Apologizing. Never. Did you apologized. Did you
1: see her her um her documentary? I did. Uh, and that guy in Wisconsin mm-hmm. who t- called her on it. And she was and she about just deaf ev- people or something. Yeah, what she was, just eviscerated, eviscerated yeah. it. Yeah, She's which like, was it's amazing. A fucking
0: joke, you asshole.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, she talked yeah. about it's it's a vacation for your mind. Yeah, which is interesting. It's almost like we're not living in the current time period. <laughs> we're gonna. It's almost like parallel universes like yes the universe you normally live in this is terrible but right. right now we're in comedy universe yeah not always but no. just for this little hour while for, we all sit in the darkness and we're have gonna booze sit in the dark adults
1: yeah for an hour and a half and you then,
0: get to laugh at things that are weird and then it's over yeah and you and go back to life like normal yes or maybe you're changed in some way mm-hmm. but um, what I, what well, I wanted to uh, to the point I did want to make though about uh, uh, art yes. is uh there was this one example that I found that I thought was apropos, which was this artist, uh, Carl Michael Carl Michael von Hauswolf in okay. 2012. He got in trouble because he created a painting. It was hanging in a museum in Lund, Sweden, and it was a painting he made using the ashes that he stole from a Nazi concentration camp. And people were pissed. Right, and you you understand why they're pissed because they have a lot to say about Nazis. They have a lot to say about the Holocaust, about morality and mortality, and even shoplifting. You know, Do they have? Anything yeah, transporting to say about? remains across international <laughs> lines, probably. Right, right. And, and I'm, I have no doubt that somebody could write a big long essay about his white male privilege. I have no right. doubt. But here's the thing: once all that outrage comes about, there's one thing that remains true: you still haven't seen the painting. So you're not talking about the painting, right? Which is a huge, huge factor in my mind because I know that if I Ryan Stout were to create a painting using ashes from the Holocaust, it would not be museum worthy, right? So So there must be a difference between my painting and his (laughs) because his is in a museum, (laughs) right? But there are people who who don't care. They say, no, they never no, because everything that I'm saying about Nazis, everything I'm saying about the Holocaust is true. Everything I'm saying about morality is true. I don't need to see the painting in order for that to be true. And I'm like, yes, yes, yes. But if you added more information
1: – You might see something you might
0: else. change. Yeah. And so, of course, people people protested. People were outraged. And initially, the director of the museum said, well, listen, um, I understand what you're saying, but come see the painting –
1: and, and then give decide. me seven euro. Right. Yes. Well,
0: and that's what everybody complained. They were uh, like, Oh, he's just trying to make money off of it. A-
1: no, no, this no. isn't a thing. <laughs>
0: I, it's my business. I'm curating this museum. I decided this is was good work based yeah. on things about art that I understand. You right. understand nothing about art and you're judging the art based on all these other factors. Right. And that happens so consistently and I don't think that'll ever go away. No. And I, and I think uh comedians take it personally when we get into these talks about racist jokes or rape jokes or suicide jokes. And right. there are people who want to go, No, never. It's never funny for these reasons. Right. And you go, but you have to see the joke.
1: Yeah, those are not yeah, those are those are just reasons why those things are bad mm-hmm. because Nazis are bad and the Holocaust was bad. Yeah. His painting might've been good. I desperately right. now need to see that painting. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure there's an image online. That and by the
0: way, I don't know much about paintings. So when I saw the painting, finally, I was like,
1: there's yeah, a painting. I
0: don't, I don't know what to think of this.
1: <laughs> What's his name again?
0: Uh, Carl
1: Michael von Hauswolf. All right. Michael von, Carl Michael von Hauswolf. All right. Well, and um yeah, but it's, I mean, that's why, you know, because whenever anything happens, right, uh, along the lines of, hey, someone made a rape joke, hey, someone said women weren't funny, yeah. uh, for some reason, the world needs to email me that. And they're <laughs> like, hey, did you hear that a horrible thing was said about you and your people? Uh-huh. I'm like, no, no, I hadn't until now, but thank you right. so much, uh, for, and the last time I think it happened, they asked me for an opinion because Jerry Lewis had said that women weren't funny, and I said, I can't tell you how little that affects me. Yeah, I, it I ever.
0: I, I don't even think of Jerry Lewis. He does, I
1: never think of Jerry yeah. Lewis. And, and by the way, he was never really a
0: stand-up comic. He right. was part of a duo, and he would run around the the ballroom, drinking people's drinks and sitting on their laps, and they would sing songs. Like he was never a, a stand up comic. He never like wrote and told jokes. He doesn't
1: affect my life. He falls down. Never. He he's, doesn't even book a triple run that I don't want to do.
0: Yeah, I'm a comedian. He's yeah. a clown. <laughs> right.
1: But the idea
0: of like, uh are women funny? I've always had a very specific attitude about that, <laughs> which you? is <laughs> you have to sit there in the nightclub, don't don't have your arms crossed. Let's open yourself up. Sure. And when a female takes the stage, then you wait for her to speak and wait for her to complete her act. And then you decide. Was I entertained? You don't see her put her foot on the stage and go, well, this is going to suck. Right. Like you don't close off to it. Yeah. That's that's the whole rule. You have to stay open-minded. But I feel that same way about rape jokes. Yeah. Like you need to wait for the joke to be told. Right. And then decide. You can't shut yourself off and go, I'm going to tell you why the rape joke is bad for all of these reasons that I can list before the joke's even told. Right. What's weird is – when I suggest that, like, you have to try it. Yeah. People act like children who are asked to eat broccoli. They pick it up, they lick it, and they put it back on the plate, <laughs> and they say, there, I tried it. Uh huh. But my thing is, okay, so you told me all these things about rape jokes. Yeah. Then you heard the rape joke, mm-hmm. and your reasons that it was bad, you have nothing new to add. Right. You're just going to go back to the old stuff again,
1: right? You're going back to your list of reasons why you don't like rape. So you you're not didn't telling need them to, to try the rape, right? Please, what I'm asking you to do is to listen to the yeah, yeah. piece of material. That I'm asking has been you to
0: go see the painting yes. in the museum. That's all I'm asking, right? Because you might feel different now. What's hard for me is, and and when I get talking about this, I'm either going to get really upset or I'm going to start bawling, right? Because that's what Lenny Bruce was arguing in 1962, right? He was just saying, look. You, you can't convict me based on some officer's version of my words. Yes. You have to convict me on my words. Right. And I didn't realize, you know, he went, he, he was charged in San Francisco, Los Angeles, Chicago, New York. In 1964, his final time in a New York courtroom after all his appeals, mm-hmm. he sat there in front of three judges and he talked for an hour. And his final words, Lenny Bruce, who spent so much time over the last four years in a courtroom to these three judges was, just see my act once. Yeah. That's all he wanted. Just see my act before you judge me. Right. And they said, Mr. Bruce, these proceedings are over. You're going to spend four months in a workhouse mm-hmm. and uh, gavel drops. Mm-hmm. But when everybody talks about Lenny Bruce during like joke outrage articles, when they're talking about controversies, all right. they treat him like he's some guy that fought for freedom of speech. Yes. And I'm like, he didn't. No. He just wanted you to see his act. Right. And he was found guilty. Right, he didn't fight for freedom of speech. He was found guilty of freedoms, and that's our. He fear. didn't win.
1: Right, he didn't win. You had win.
0: twelve random people on a jury who didn't know anything about comedy who decided, well, I don't like it, so therefore it's bad. Right, and he's arguing, how can you know if you liked it or not? You didn't even see it. Right. Right. And yet you've got all these articles written constantly. You know, a few months ago, uh, Amy Schumer had a joke. Right. That it was a joke that existed in the world and it was fine and nobody nobody was upset about it. Bill Maher brought it up on his show as an example of Mm -hmm. a very funny joke. Right. And then the internet exploded. This joke is racist. She needs to apologize. Right. And I want to say yes, but what makes her racist joke different from the racist joke that doesn't get laughs? Right. And they go, well, it doesn't matter. Because they're both racist, and here's all the facts about racism. And I'm like, yeah, but you're not saying anything about jokes. Right. And it, it gets so infuriating because that's the biggest part about when I did that little experiment the whole month of June. just yeah. going through Google, mm-hmm. looking up joke controversies. I would scan these articles meticulously looking for a piece of information that was factual about jokes. right? And it wasn't until the last day of the experiment, July 1st. After a whole, the whole month of June, didn't find one fact about jokes in all these articles. Okay. July, there was an article that, uh, it brought up the fact that if you're with other people who are laughing, you're 30% more likely to laugh. Ah. And I was like, oh, well that, that kind of makes sense, that people yeah. who are angry behind their computer screens aren't Alone. laughing. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. It's very hard. It's, I don't know if you've ever done, uh, Ian, abramson's seven minutes in purgatory show mm. you do your act to a a camera mm-hmm.
0: which is then broadcast to an audience and you don't get to hear them laughing you just have to assume they're laughing
1: you have to assume they're laughing and you become more and more uncomfortable uh-huh. and uh it is when he told me about it i was like i have no interest in ever doing that yeah and he was like you don't have to do that and i was like Okay, I'll do it. Because stage time is stage time. Uh-huh. Anyway, uh, so, and I was, it was a fascinating, I was like, I'm do, so what I did was I decided the first three minutes, I was like, I'm just going to do new jokes that I know don't work anyway. And the last four minutes, I was like, I can't stand it. I have to do the four minutes that I know kills. And so that's exactly what I did. And it was, there was no point to that story. I think I was just the bragging. The feedback was, anyway, we didn't fe- like your fe- first four right. minutes
0: and we loved your last four
1: minutes. And I and I didn't get any feedback <laughs> from anyone because uh, I came out and the audience was fine. They were just like, oh, that was interesting. That was funny. Yeah, they're clapping. And they're clapping. Are, so
0: you're in a booth? You're in you another a, room Oh, you're in with headphones room. on. Where does that happen?
1: Uh, he does it sometimes at uh, UCB Sunset. sunset? I want to
0: do that. Yeah, yeah. I really well, want to well, do that.
1: Uh, he he yeah. was on. He talked about uh, how much he loves Hamburger Land. Hamburgerland? McDonaldland. He talked about the different characters of McDonaldland for 47 minutes. It was – So the Fry Kids
0: and the Hamburglar yeah, and Grimace. Yeah,
1: and <laughs> he's like 12. So there's no reason why he should have uh known about this <laughs> advertising campaign or loved it as much as he does. And he does. Anyway, so um, – but there was – OK. So what – weirdly enough, last night I was watching on Netflix something called uh, Chef's Table. It's okay. a documentary series on Netflix. One hour – uh, six episodes, each hour is dedicated to a different chef. Mm-hmm. And I was watching, I think I'm only on episode two, but Ruth Reichel, the food critic, uh, she was talking about this chef and she said, and it was a farm to table guy from New York who mm-hmm. was a guy who grew up on a farm and then he wanted, uh, his, so he just, he only cooks things. He started the farm to table movement or he was a big deal in it. But he, she was talking about how when he got into being into cooking, all he wanted to do was cook. He just wanted to feed people, have make people happy, and uh and make sure everybody was full and cook. And then it changed as he went through and then he was like, I'm not an activist, but now I'm an activist. Uh-huh. Because I want the you know, if you want to feed people good food, you got to get fresh food, and to get fresh food, you have to care where it comes from. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you're raising chickens and pigs. And uh, and so
0: And then your your prices go up. And yeah. then certain people can't afford to eat. And well, now, now you're a monster because you're not feeding the poor.
1: Uh, but before that, uh, the analogy was comedy though, is that you start, you get in, in my opinion, I got into comedy just to make people laugh. Right. That's the only reason I did it. Right. I wasn't trying to heal anybody's wounds. Uh-huh. I wasn't trying to affect change at a grassroots level. Correct. I wasn't, but I have done, to some small degree, both of those things, mm-hmm. you know, where I have made people think about bigger issues, or I've 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 calmed people down, you know, I've addressed things that are weird enough that no one else was talking about. Right, and that's been a result of the work. Total <laughs> but result. But that hasn't been the work,
0: which I think is is an interesting idea. Of it's important that it isn't the work correct. to some extent. The, a lot of a lot of uh, criticism of comedy is based on what they consumed, but they don't talk about what was created. You know what I mean? Like if I were to – if we were to talk about a joke, we would probably talk about things about comedy that we understand like the economy of words. We would talk about, oh, look how many tags are on the end of it. Yeah. You know, that's what was created. It doesn't matter how we feel about the joke. Right. We can see what was created versus a lot of people when they complain about comedy – they talk about how it made them feel or mm-hmm. why they're justified to feel that way. Well, they're just talking about what they've consumed. Like going back to art school, right. I don't care what you've consumed. I don't care about what you feel about this.
1: Right. I
0: want to talk about what was created and why it was good. Okay. Now, when you create good work, that that was your only goal. Yeah. And that was my only goal as a comedian. Look, I want to write this joke. I want it to be as perfect as it can. And make and everyone
1: laugh or as many audience, people as possible. If the
0: audience laughs, that's the only goal. That, that, that is the goal. And For then me. people, people and, want to uh, heap all sorts of other <laughs> criteria onto the job, and we're sitting here going, no, that's not criteria. I don't have to make you happy. Right. Somebody was asking me about uh, what I feel about the audience and why I'm always so hostile toward them, <laughs> and I said <laughs> – well, do you feel like you're hostile towards you a dad? little bit. Okay. And, and by the way, in the future for me, once once I become a better comedian, the audience will learn that I'm not yelling at them, I'm yelling at my dad. Okay. But that's that's <laughs> I'm not there yet. I'm not that good yet. Right. Right. Um, they can't say What sense do you want that. from me? Right. Um <laughs> but I told I told this this person who asked me that, I said, "Look, I always think of uh of social contracts." Yeah. You know, when you buy buy a ticket to a comedy club, you're entering into a contract with the club. You're saying, do you have a seat? I would like to buy the seat. Yes. And they said, we will sell you a seat, but you have to buy two drinks. Okay. You have to shut off your phone. You can't heckle. Yeah. And that's the contract you enter into with the club. Okay. Well, then the club enters into a contract with me, the comedian, or you, the comedian. Mm -hmm. They say, will you come do six shows? We'll give you X amount of money. And we say, yes. Yes. And then we walk out onto the stage. And we've completed our portion of our contract with the club. I don't have a contract with the audience. There's no contract in place. You don't feel like there's a social contract between you and the audience. I am not required to make them laugh. They came to see me. They paid for the seat. So you make the contracts with the club. My contract is with the club. I know because it's a physical contract that I signed. And their contract, they exchanged money for services. But they paid for a seat. They didn't pay for an experience. They didn't say by buying this
1: seat, I am guaranteed laughs. Now see, I feel like I'm in a social contract with the audience. Well, here's the thing, because... But that's because it's a social contract. It isn't a contract contract. It's genuinely like a, like a Hobbesian, John Lockean kind of social contract in the nature of humanity. So, well, and what I would say is this, when I walk out onto that stage, oh,
0: I want them to laugh. Of course! That's what I would like out of them. Yeah. But it's not required of me. Okay. Now, it is required of me if I ever want to go back to that club again.
1: <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Well, what's that's, required of you my to do your time? That's where my accountability is. Well, you have to do your time.
0: I have to do my time. You have to fill your slot. And if there are a lot of complaints, the club then has to decide how they feel about that. Right. Because certainly at one of our favorite places, Acme, Right. I have had great shows. Yep. And then I've had a show here and there where there's some cl- complaints. And the club has been very consistent with the complainers saying, hey, look, comedy subjective. And um, we we I hire the, the best. The comics. technical
1: words are so sad. Too bad.
0: <laughs> Get the fuck out. Get See, out. and by the way, you you do feel that way about the people that don't like your act because you're up there and you're trying. Yeah, but you're not required to appease them.
1: Right. I hope that they'll like me. I guess you're right. Yeah. I hope that they'll like me, but if they don't, I can't do anything but what I've written. Right. And,
0: and- that's that's the whole. I think that's the crux of it for me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do my, my part because I, it's the difference between wanting to win and not caring if you lose. Yeah. Like, I'm not required to win, but I wanna win. Right. And that's it. Okay. But, uh, audiences don't feel like that's true. Audiences have very high expectations. They have that magic eye thing where they have ego, where right. they think, well, I didn't like it, so therefore it was bad. So, d- yeah, it, was so it, doesn't the, doesn't it was the jurors and the Lenny Bruce trial. I didn't like it, so therefore it's bad.
1: Right. And and, so, and that happens so often afterwards, just comic to comic to comic. I mean, they're like, I liked you the best is one of the one of the hardest things to hear, I think. Because yeah. it's genu- it can be genuinely irritating. It can be. Because you're like, well, you don't understand. That woman has been doing – the MC has been doing stand-up for nine months. Uh-huh. Cut her. Subs- I mean, and she was up there for ten minutes. Right? How else is she gonna get better, or he gonna get better, well, unless you and when let they,
0: them? When they say that to the headliner, I liked you the best. Well,
1: well yeah, I you hope were supposed so. to. Yeah, I'm yeah. getting the most money. You are and not the most- special
0: for liking me the best.
1: <laughs> you did exactly what you, you were chosen wisely. To do. Yeah. Uh, because I'm the one who's been doing it for seventy seven years. The person so. who
0: runs this business. That's exactly what they expected you to say,
1: right? And they were right. <laughs> Come again. Right um <laughs> right, I'll tell you at Acme, I walked fifty two people once uh accidentally, I kicked one guy out, and he was attached sadly to fifty one other people okay, and Lewis Lee, owner of Acme comedy Company, had my back, mm-hmm. and he told me he had to refund a great deal of money to those people, yeah, and uh that that story happened probably 10 years ago. I think about it at least 3 times a year.
0: It's very hard.
1: It's hard to let that one go. Yeah. And uh but um And the following year, he did not book me during corporate season, Mm -hmm. which is why that man was attached to 51 other people. He was the CEO of a company and he was heckling. Entitlement. Yes. He had a great deal of entitlement. And so when he left, his entire staff, I mean, everybody had to leave, right? Right. Because they were, daddy was leaving. So Mm -hmm. he's got the keys. Yeah. They don't have a
0: choice at that point. Yeah. They're like, if I defect, I lose my job.
1: Right. And I'm five minutes into a 45 minute set. So now there's a 50- uh, person whole yeah and now instead of 220 people there's 170 people and that should be fine except for they were right in the middle, and, right uh, in the middle. So, so now
0: there's an ocean uh, ocean separating everyone a Moat. yeah
1: and uh, I was like well this is not going to be easy but uh-huh. I had him, I got him by the end of the it was fine yeah but and you then do your he, job
0: you do the work and you go ah, and
1: book me again the next year uh-huh. not in November and uh not for seven years anywhere near corporate yet uh-huh. and the the and I didn't realize until I because I said hey do you have any could I get a week for next year when I called him for the and he said, Yeah, yeah, I'm thinking March. <laughs> and uh and I said, Oh, I was thinking maybe Thanksgiving or Christmas so I can visit my family and he was like, Uh-huh. March is what I'm March thinking. Is what I'm and so thinking. I hang up and then the other shoe drops and I realize what's happened uh-huh. and I call him back and I was like, I will eat it for forty five minutes. I will I won't ever do it kick anybody out. And he yeah. was like, No, no, I want you to be able to kick people out if there's trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um he's like, I don't not because but i just let's just march will be good Sure, sure <laughs> and i was like thanks for continuing to book me <laughs> and uh so i mean it's 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 it is i do feel like there is a sense of satisfaction when i change the world when i when i, ch- I change someone's because i do this like, for example i have a weirdo joke where i talk about sexual assault mm-hmm. and it is uh the premise is essentially um not every sexual experience I've had has been a positive sexual experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to ride the bus a lot. Uh-huh. And then, uh, and then it goes to how <laughs> having sex with my husband sometimes, that will be reminded. I will be reminded of that, at uh-huh. which point he will then be having sex with someone who's crying. Uh-huh. And then how we dealt with that together. Uh-huh. And it has a punchline and everything. It's right. great. Right. And, uh, but the, right. but the audience, when I first started working on that bit, there would be people in the audience who were like, no.
0: No, no, we can't hear about this. We are not talking about crying. You're not allowed to be an artist and talk about
1: your life right? in our club because we paid money. There was $12 that exchanged to Yes, and uh, I'm going to need you to not talk about crying during sex yeah. because I cry during sex and I can't take it. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, uh, hear me out. Yeah. Hear me out. So and-
0: what you're telling me is there was no social contract. You right. said I'm going to do my work. And you pay Which, to see me. And <laughs> I always, and
1: I always do. So you're, yeah. I guess, I mean, I feel the pressure of a social contract.
0: Yes, you feel the pressure of it, but it's, it's non-existent. It's only, it's only you being polite. It's me being polite. Cause I do want them to laugh.
1: Yeah, I really do. But and I, I
0: don't suffer the consequences if they don't.
1: Right, I don't. They want me to. They do want me to care more than I do. Right. But I don't, I genuinely.
0: Well, it's this confusing thing that I empathize with audiences because they don't know, they don't know who's in charge. They think, they think, well, we're the audience, so if we don't laugh. If there's 200 of us,
1: or if there's 2000 of us, we must be in charge.
0: Right, we're in charge. But then, when 199 of them laugh, and person X doesn't, person X stands up and points at the comedian and says, that's not funny. And you go, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're not in charge. I thought the audience was in charge. Why don't you turn around 180 degrees and point at them and say, that's not funny. Why are you laughing? That would be an act of courage. Right. And that's an act of courage I've never seen in a comedy club. (laughs) People Uh, always applaud hecklers for standing up and putting the comic in their place. And I'm like, they didn't put me in my place. The rest of the room was with me. Right. And then they were ushered out for interrupting the show. Right. Because they were told not to do that. But that's not me ushering them out. That That was their contract with the club. Right. The club said you can't heckle. Right. It's not even that has nothing to do with me.
1: It doesn't yeah, It really it really doesn't. And it's weird. I was just talking to Kil- Lord Kilmartin and I um are talking about starting another podcast. Uh-huh. And she wants to genuinely just discuss. She's like, "I want to hear middle-aged white ladies opinion on the issues and not in a shrill the view the kind view of, way. of way." Yeah, and I was like I have opinion. I don't have any information. Is that going to be a problem? And uh, she was like, nope. <laughs> I was like, I will opine all you want. And, uh, so, but she was talking about uh, kind of this exact thing where th- there was, there was, su- there was a, an issue. Yeah. And she was talking about what jokes she said, you know, I've written, I've written these jokes that can't be done anywhere else but Los Angeles. And she said that out loud mm-hmm. to my face. And I was like, no, no, no. Make people in Nebraska hear those yeah, jokes. Yeah, yeah. Make people in Alabama hear those jokes. And some of them will get it because everyone gets cable. It's not like right. you're not going to get it. Yeah, they and, watch all sorts of
0: shows about LA. They know what right, traffic looks like.
1: They've seen more of the wire than I have. Mm-hmm. So they're going to get every weird, dark, twisty thing in your brain box. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, just do it. And she's like, oh, I don't know. But I think – be- you're right. I don't feel like I have a social contract with the audience because I'm going to insist on doing my weird Liberia joke or my uh, Yugoslavia joke. There hasn't right. been a Yugoslavia in 15 years. Well, and and by the way, I feel like that's,
0: that's another issue of this. The, the audience doesn't know what the comedian's job is. Like we touched on it earlier that, well, it's my job to make the audience laugh. Yeah. And that's it. There are no rules as far as how that should go or might <laughs> right. go because – Basically what it comes down to is when we die, we are gonna leave behind a record. Now, fortunately for comedians, we actually leave behind actual records.
1: <laughs> right? And Do you have a new record, Ryan Stowe? I, I don't have a new oh, I recorded
0: one and I listened to it and I was like, You sound real angry on this.
1: Oh wow. Yeah, you, and you, you, and by the way, I
0: come out of it and the end's really good. Yes. At the beginning I'm like, Yeah, it's a little hostile. Okay. Um but <laughs> uh what was I saying? Um, it's uh, – No, we, we leave a record. Yeah. We leave job. We leave a record and our record says this. These were the jokes that audiences laughed at during the time that I was alive. Right. Now, you can say these jokes were wrong because of rape culture. You could say they're disgusting because they're racist. You can mm-hmm. say whatever. But you cannot deny that people were laughing at those jokes during the time that I was alive. Right. Now – What I've left behind is a record for other people to look back upon and say, oh, this is what people were laughing at during that time period.
1: Right. A little archaeologist moment.
0: Somebody needs to create that work. Somebody needs to. And that's what we've chosen to do. Mm -hmm. Now, when we succeed, you can't say that we're doing it wrong because we succeeded. (laughs) Right. You can't say what comedy should be because we're showing you what it is.
1: Here's what I don't want to happen when I die, is for the Laugh Factory to put on their marquee that I'm making God laugh.
0: She made God laugh.
1: I'm going to come yeah. back from the dead and stab Jamie Masada <laughs> in the forehead if that yeah. happens.
0: I'm going to retire. <laughs> because you? I can't make a well, once I'm dead, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: yeah I can't, I, there's no posthumous records. The no, work is done. The work is done. Yeah. And it's <laughs> – I mean the, what we've done here is we've discussed very much the the, the – intent and purpose and fact about jokes right and facts about jokes are very hard to find yeah they're
0: very hard to find because i think you and i know some of them because we've learned them over years of work name them but we right? N- name it's a couple it's so yeah. impossible to name well fact number 1 that a lot of people don't recognize but we recognize constantly no comedian has ever written a joke that makes everybody laugh it's never happened That has never happened in the history of jokes. Right. Right.
1: You cannot make everyone laugh. No. Yeah. By the way. You can fool some of the people some of the time.
0: And if you want to point out what populations are being excluded by a joke, well, I'm going to say, well, wordplay is an important part of comedy. Right. And if you use wordplay in the English language, you are excluding the entire deaf population.
1: Which I've always been sad I don't speak sign language, uh, right. and Chinese because there are billions of people who are not hearing my jokes. Right. Very sad. Yes. Uh, but the, you're, I mean, you're right. There's, it's even, there's even a saving line. Like when a joke doesn't work on stage, uh, as you know, mm-hmm. uh, you will tell that joke. Sometimes you will say to those people, say to the audience when they do not laugh, well, that joke was just for me. Uh-huh. Or that joke was for me and that woman who laughed. Mm-hmm. And that is it. And now there'll be one for each of you. Right. Is what sometimes Yes. I'm uh, going to make my said.
0: way around the room. Yes. And Everybody's those are going to get their joke. Dope. Just calm down.
1: Just calm down. Don't uh-huh. nobody panic. You're all going to have yours. <laughs> You're all going to have your joke. Now, but I would like, I mean, do you have another topic because I I mean, I kind of do want to touch on the idea of mean jokes
0: without punchlines. Okay, well, if it doesn't have a punchline, in my mind, it's not a joke. Okay. Because I'm like, I think of jokes the same way I think of a poem. It's a structure. Okay. Which I think a lot of people don't think of jokes. There's there's one particular um, social justice warrior who does a lot of writing <laughs> that uh, I won't mention that person's name because I don't think they deserve the press. And- but they constantly misidentify what a joke is. And they, and they they in their writing, they'll say things like, and get ready, here's the punchline. And it's not a punchline because it was never a joke. Okay. So now now they're taking like music lyrics and comparing music lyrics to a joke. And I'm like, no, no, that's that's a different thing. It's not the same structure. It's like comparing a short story to a poem. I'm like, no, 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 that's two different things. Right. Prose and a poem are different. Right. So Um, a joke has anatomical structure to it. It's got a setup. It's got a punchline. Right. So if it's a joke without a punchline, I'm like, well, no, now it's just some – Thing that somebody's saying. Right. Maybe, it's maybe just a couple lying. of sentences. Maybe they're. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it's.
0: So, what do you mean specifically by mean jokes with no punchlines?
1: Someone will say, um, again, it's hard to, it's hard to come out again. Let's say someone is talking about drugs. Uh huh. And they, there are many, many funny drugs jokes. Sure. And there are many j- jokes about drugs that don't have a point or purpose to them.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And it's just because like, that
0: was crazy, man.
1: That, was, that right. was nuts. That was crazy is not a punchline. Right. The, what you've done is you've, you've gone to the moth mm-hmm. and you've told a story about something that happened to you and there's no, and I am a storyteller. That mm-hmm. is, I mean, every single fricking joke I start is a damn seven minute tome uh-huh. that doesn't need to be told. And eight <laughs> months later, it's, if it works, it's a three and a half minute joke and there are, there are punchlines peppered through it. Mm-hmm. So that's if it works. And if it doesn't work, I know that there's no end to it. I know that there's no, it, cause it'd be ideal if every, like I could pepper, I could, pepper a joke with punchlines but if it doesn't have a punchline on the end of it I, I, I should have stopped earlier
0: <laughs> right I feel the same way
1: <laughs> it's it, but I keep hoping that the, that I'll get to make this one last point of the story mm-hmm. and then a punchline will come up sure so if someone talks about how much they hate someone mm-hmm. um I don't like so and so that uh, guy's
0: a fucking retard that and then guy, everybody claps everybody claps Donald <laughs> Trump's a goddamn retard
1: ah! Yeah, you got to say goddamn and you you got to say retard. And then the audience is like, yeah, that's right. And you're like – Neither and and the thing is 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 there's Christians who are like please don't use the name of the Lord in vain and there's people who are like retard is a pejorative word and you're like it's actually a medical no you're right it's fuck well, you
0: Trump's gonna save this country
1: and, yeah yeah by what entertaining us to yeah. death with his moronic whatever yeah, yeah. anyway so it's like but now you've got different
0: groups of people who are upset for different reasons
1: right and yeah. everybody and nobody likes that joke because it wasn't a joke
0: right yeah and you can pick it apart in a thousand ways. And I'm not going to defend it because there's nothing to defend.
1: There was a joke that was on my 2003 half-hour comedy special on Comedy Central. And they cut out the punchline. Wow. Disappointed. Typical them. Uh Unfortunately leaving it to the editors, who doesn't know when a joke ends? Uh, it is typical. It yeah. is unfortunate. And so the joke is a, is a classic joke about how I went to Nebraska and there was a terrible town in Nebraska that I didn't like. And during the setup of the joke, I talk about how much I hate, the, and I make exaggerated statements about North Platte, Nebraska, uh, maybe Osama Bin Laden is hiding there and maybe we should bomb it just in case, I say. What would we have lost? Nothing. I,
0: I think I've seen you have to argue with people about this on Online. the internet as of, like, a year ago.
1: Right, because they keep re-showing the damn thing because Comedy Central owns it and they uh-huh. will not recut it. Right. And I'm like, that's why I put the damn joke on one of my albums so that right. it could be somewhere correctly edited. Yes. Because there is an end to it. Right. It's an end where... What happens? The reason was is there was a bad guy, and he said a mean thing, and then a mean thing was funny, uh-huh. and then there's an end to it. Uh-huh. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful joke with a dark, yeah, and, and a it, plot, and, a plot, yeah, and it's a got button, things, and it's got a goddamn button on the end. And of when it. you leave it behind on record, you want it to be correct, yes, yes, because please. you did the work. I did the work. I, <laughs> I, I I went to the trouble to write an ending to it. Sure. So, but what I don't enjoy is when. Somebody, you know, there's a lot of fat chick jokes. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of jokes that are traditionally reasons. I am a social justice warrior Mm -hmm. when it comes to if you're going to do a racist joke that doesn't have a punchline, then you are a racist. Right. There is no joke there. Uh You're just being horrible. (laughs) So either write a punchline or stop talking about it. Uh huh. So that, that is where I think
0: I mean, yeah. Well, and by the way, that's that's kind of exactly what I've been talking about. As far as you need to see the joke in order to see the structure of it, right? And then if it has structure, well, that's what I'm appreciating. But your your uh, people of outrage on the internet are tearing down the joke, and they're not basing sometimes, it on anything about
1: joke. Yes, yeah, sometimes they're not basing it on the joke, and but but if if someone tells a joke like that and does not apologize and and they don't. And they get, just go
0: freedom of speech, man. Freedom
1: or, and they, of speech, or they say nothing, and then yeah. the the bread throwing ladies never have to deal with it. Yeah, the, they just live. The, with the it. crowd disperses. Yeah, and they don't have to do four months in a fucking workhouse, and I want yeah. them to. Right. right I right, want right.
0: you because of your ass It's it's the it's the upside and downside of our our
1: of our Craft
0: yes. is that you know I I get away with some bad stuff. That is good work, but socially upsetting, right? Um, and some other people get away with socially upsetting stuff that is bad work, right? And you go, well, yeah. I mean, some people are going to slip through the cracks, and that's that's kind of what happens.
1: Damn! I mean, that um, is the greatest sentence. In the world. Some yeah. people get away with socially upsetting bad work and some people do not get away with good work that is socially upsetting. Yeah. That is exactly it. And and by the way, that's I think that's across
0: the board in every
1: every art form as
0: well. Right. And I think we kind of accept it and we go, that's fine. And so when these arguments come up, comedians tend to stay quiet. We tend to go, yeah, that happens. Yeah, sure. And then the social justice warriors want to know why we won't have a conversation with them. And we go, because it's the same boring conversation that – is ha- being had over sadly, art and literature. I tried to insist and- that
1: Dwayne Perkins, who uh-huh. was on the show four episodes ago or whatever, discuss race with me, Jackie Cation, uh-huh. middle aged white lady. Yeah. And he was like, so polite. It was amazing. Yeah. He was just like, I don't know how to. It's to- like, I can't keep talking. I have to also live my life. Like, I've got to go buy a sandwich. Uh-huh. I can't be outraged about racism. And right. I said, because if I were, if I were black, I would be outraged all the time, and he was like, "Or you wouldn't."
0: Yeah, or you, you because would say, you would be
1: exhausted.
0: I have to, I have to navigate this with the hand I'm dealt, and so I'm doing that. I'm so doing that th- I can have the best life I can.
1: Right, and I, and he's like, it doesn't mean I'm not mad. I'm mad, but right. I can't have every single argument every single time right. because then I would never do anything else. Right, and so that's I think with comics to to sure. really really that's I don't know that that's an even comparison. Well,
0: but. by the way, for a lot of us when you talk about a joke having a punchline, when you talk about doing the work, I think of, you know, one simple concept, economy of words is something that we live by. If you have superfluous words in a joke, right. those get removed and the joke gets tighter and then now all of a sudden, you know, brevity is the soul of wit. Right. The joke gets funnier. Right. So, when a comedian's on stage and does a joke that has 500 words and just one punchline, and the punchline isn't even at the end. It's in the middle someplace. Yeah. I go, mm, not, I'm sad not now. good work. <laughs> not great work. And it's not good work whether it's a joke about dogs or cake or suicide or rape. It's yeah. just not good work. Right. Now, when a comedian gets on stage and it's a 20-word joke, I go, oh, that's pretty tight. But, and if it's a joke about cake, yeah, you're just like, how did you make cake funny? Yeah. How, like, Well, what? and I go, how did you make rape funny? Right. How did you do it? It's the same you, thing. You use but, 20 words to find something. How like,
1: I, you I've gotten to see Brian Regan a lot in uh-huh. the last year and I watch him and I watch what he's talking about and you're like, there's no way that that should be as smart and funny as it is. Uh-huh. But it is both of those things. Yeah. It is smart. It is funny. It is dark yeah. and it is beautiful and it is well-crafted.
0: He knows how to get the muse to show up for him. He really the, he really puts in the work. Yeah. And genius arrives as well. Yeah. But um what I was going to say too is you know I've seen comedians on stage do jokes that are four words long. And they speak four words into a microphone and an audience of people will laugh. Now that's magical. Yeah. That's an that's a magical economy of words. And whether it's, it's almost a, a joke a goddamn about miracle. dogs or cake or suicide or rape, I'm going to clap. Yeah. And by the way, you're going to write your social justice warrior blog telling me I shouldn't be laughing or clapping at suicide. I don't even suicide. know what that means, social <laughs> justice warrior. What is it? I, well, what happens is um, – and this is kind of what Seinfeld brought up too because about PC it- culture.
1: Right, because I think that 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 some of the buttons on calling something a social justice warrior right. is a way to belittle actual social social justice. It is. It is. You're you're not wrong. I mean, which I mean, it's just like I'd rather call them idiots. But when than when, a social what I'm justice is, warrior is
0: when they. Um,
1: Unless that person is wearing a a T-shirt that says, I am a social justice warrior. Just call her an idiot.
0: I'll say this. Whenever somebody wants to uh, talk about comedy and talk about jokes while ignoring everything about comedy and jokes. (laughs) Right. But focusing on the people who are hurt and offended. Right. They are only acting in a manner for social justice in their mind. Right. That's, that's their core belief of why I need to write this article. Right. And that's what, what Seinfeld had a problem with, that he got in trouble for saying, like, college campuses are too PC. People right, right. didn't understand that, no, 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 college campuses aren't too PC. What they're doing is relying on political correctness while ignoring everything about comedy while judging a comedian. So they don't care that it's a four-word joke. They're saying, no, it's, it's a, they don't care that, you know, racist joke A gets a laugh and racist joke B doesn't. They go, I would no, say they're
1: both racist. With, with college gigs, couple of things. One, they're corporations, colleges. So they, all they can yeah. do is respond with an HR department kind of response, uh-huh. which is annoying, but yeah. it's, it's gotta be all policy driven. Jerry Seinfeld saying that colleges are PC uh-huh. is hilarious to me because Jerry Seinfeld hasn't done a college in 77 years, right. which leads me to my next point, which is comics, if you ask them – because somebody asked him, what do you think about colleges and stand-up comedy? And he hasn't done a, co- a college in 77 yeah. years, still had an opinion because he, well, does, he, he said, doesn't – yeah,
0: what I've heard is
1: – He doesn't need yeah. – he doesn't – he's just looking for the – we just talk. Uh-huh. It's just – <laughs> Diarrhea out of a, it's like it's like it's like kill Martin wanting to discuss the issues with me. Uh-huh. I don't have any information, but, but God, I've got an opinion. Uh, damn it, I'll have yeah. an opinion. And and by the way, that's
0: uh, going back to judging the Holocaust painting yeah. with the ashes. You're judging it without seeing it, and then Seinfeld arguably is judging colleges without having done them. Right. So he's he's as fault as well. But I think there was a lot of truth in what he said, whether or not he knew what he was talking about or not. Which is. I'll be at a college. I had a joke that I did at a NACA. Right. It was, this, it was a joke that my agent said, that's okay. You can tell that one. That's fine. And it was about me yelling at my girlfriend's dog and my girlfriend saying, edgy oh, stuff. oh, is that how you're going to treat our children? And I said, well, if they're barking at a squirrel
1: for yes. 15 minutes. That is
0: f- yeah, pretty probably. edgy stuff, that is the The audience, Jackie, gasped because they assumed that the children are mentally handicapped, and therefore I'm making fun of the mentally handicapped. So they went and to the horrible place. Yes. They projected that onto my work and made me responsible. They might want to clean up their own minds. For words I didn't even say. Right. That's too PC. When right. you're When you're not even talking not even, about the work. It's
1: not even PC. It's just. It's insanity. It's, it's insanity is yeah. what it is. And yeah. it's. One of my favorite bits about the word PC uh-huh. is Stuart Lee uh-huh. talking about how his nan, his grandmother, uh-huh. <laughs> is constantly saying, it's political correctness gone mad, the world's political correct. I was at the, I was at the hairdresser and, uh, and they said I couldn't have tea at the, at the station because I might spill it on the, uh, on, on, on the curling iron or some damn thing. It was like, it's political correctness yeah. gone mad. He he's like, no, well, that's electrical safety. Right. Uh, you've lost your goddamn mind. Right. Yeah. Anyway, but, um.
0: But any articles that these college kids might write. Right. About the bit is going to put the bit in a light that, well, the comedian's making fun of this population. Right. And we, we need to stand up and protect that population as a society.
1: Right. And Which so, is sippy cup, uh, you know. Yeah. Attitude towards the future, which is, which is very hard for me as well, but it's like. <laughs> I like that term sippy cup. It's, it's a, <laughs> it's, sippy cup it's, a, it's a, it's crazy. I, I get it. I'm, I will occasionally spill water on myself. Anyway, but, uh, the, the, the real, I did a joke at a college once where I was talking about how, uh, I was raised on rice and, uh, and I made some crack about, um, Unicef and how I was essentially, I was raised in Indonesia, uh, having, uh, rice peel off given to me. And there was more to it. It actually had a punchline. It was 37,000 years ago. I don't remember it, but I had an Indonesian <laughs> woman come up to me and she was like, I'm from Indonesia. Uh, we didn't have Unicef rice. I hate you and, or I hate that joke and you should stop telling that joke. And I said, uh, that joke only has that reference because my one of my best friends is Indonesian and grew up with uh, UNICEF rice. So uh, your experience is different from her experience, and that's where the joke came from. And other people thought it was funny, so you're gonna have to uh, you're shut up. Have to.
0: Yeah, yeah. I have and, no contract with you.
1: Right. I don't I have, have any no contract. contract with you. <laughs> okay. What do you want to leave us with? We're at an hour.
0: So I want to leave you with this one idea, and I think this is this is the the most important idea of all joke controversies. Okay. And that is. The idea of same versus different. That is, if you're going to tell me why all jokes of topic X are the same, if you're going to tell me, well, here's a fact about rape, and because it applies to all rape jokes, all rape jokes are the same. Okay. That's important, and I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. Mm -hmm. However, if you want to talk about art, we also have to acknowledge why every rape joke is different. We have to talk about why is it this joke about rape makes people laugh, and that joke about rape doesn't. Now, oftentimes they say, well, that doesn't matter because all these facts about why all rape jokes are the same are true. Right. And I'm like, yes, but that's only that's only one column on the sheet of paper. Right. There's You're- another column. Everybody in kindergarten learns about same and different, <laughs> and you can have two columns with information, and both columns are full of true information. Right. But you have to look at both in order to have the conversation. Most people who are outraged about racist jokes who want to say, here's why racist jokes are bad, only talk about why all racist jokes are the same comedians nearly every time we get into these discussions we want to talk about why every joke is different we want to talk about the economy of words we want to say but that joke only has four words that joke has 508 those are different yeah one of those has work present in it that joke's about wordplay that joke's about misdirection that joke's about misplaced emotion there are different reasons that people laugh all right we need to focus on those and if you're not going to focus on those you're not talking about art you're talking about entertainment and that's a huge distinction.
1: Well, and, and, or, yeah.
0: Because you're not talking about what was created. You're talking about what is consumed.
1: And what was received. Yeah. Okay. And most, yeah.
0: Most people who write about comedy are consumers of comedy mm-hmm. who've never had any education, never read a joke about comedy, never. So all they can do is write about their feelings, and their yeah. feelings are justified. Why? Well, here's the reasons why all these jokes feel the same. Right. And I go, yes, but. You're talking about how you feel about the joke. You're not actually talking about the joke. I Again, like, first day of poetry class. We don't care how you feel. We right. want to learn why the poem is good. Yeah. And that's that's the bottom line and that's why there can't be a civil conversation because in order to have a civil conversation, both sides of the conversation have to accept both columns on that sheet of paper.
1: Right. So what I what I got out of what you just said, which I think is is for me the most important thing is that is that to discuss people want to discuss why all jokes are the same and comics want to discuss why each joke is different. And yeah. if people could see that each joke is different it is not just because it's the same topic doesn't make the same joke. Right. So I think you're correct, my friend. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we continue to be friends. We do. Ryan Stout, Good everybody. One. RyanStout.com and at StoutRyan and he has a YouTube page and he has comedy and you should go see him because he's getting Less angry. Less and he's angry. not mad at you, you guys. It's my dad.